0: celebrating the connection with our pets this is animal radio featuring your dream team veterinarian dr debbie white and groomer joey villani and here are your hosts hal abrams and judy francis
1: today on the show a very important topic it is pet food and for those of us that actually feed our animals which i believe is (laughs) i would say 99.9 percent of you probably feed your animals pet food you know what kind of pet food do you get how do you pick your pet food? Did oh,
2: you- there's so many choices. You go to the grocery store or the pet store, and there's just rows and aisles
3: of food.
1: You want to hear the irony about that, Miss Francis? There are hundreds of foods out there. Yes. You go there, it's hard to choose.
3: So many different brands.
1: All of those foods, or most of those foods, are all made by five different companies. That's yeah, all? That's all. Wow. And big companies like Mars, Nestle, Purina. Uh, Diamond Foods, and uh, so it's hard to pick, but a lot of them are the same foods, just with different kinds of packaging. They're all sourced from the same place.
4: Wow. Like Mars bars, candy bars, Mars. Mm -hmm. And like Nestle, chocolate. Yeah. (laughs) Wow.
1: Yeah. And uh, Smuckers, the people that make the jelly. Yeah, Yeah, they they just
2: recently got into food. And why? Because it's
1: a $29 billion a year industry. And it's been
5: growing every year. It
1: is. There's a lot at stake for these companies. And there's a few small, good companies, but mostly the major big ones, they have a lot to be desired. And we're going to find out more about that today on today's show. You want to be listening for that. Joey, what are you working on over there?
4: Well, I want to talk about nutrition and shedding dogs and let's, let's educate people if it's part of the problem or not part of the problem and what
6: to do.
1: Okay. Because I have one of those shedding dogs that sheds like nobody's business. <laughs> you know, I'm concerned. I wonder if it's the right food again. Uh, So we'll find out more in just a few minutes. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom?
5: Uh, on that subject, I have to tell you that Roro, who oh. is usually in the background snoring with me, yeah. is so hairy and shedding so much right now. <laughs> his name for the last three years has been Roro the Hairy Mofo. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and it's meant with all affection, but truly you've never seen so much hair in your life. But anyhow, uh, maybe your pet is something, you know, not a dog. Whatever it is, what do you do when a pet, overdoses and we're talking serious like heroin overdoses on heroin
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, i can't even imagine a pet shooting up that would how do they
5: do that without opposable it would be an unintentional thing but it does happen okay and we'll we'll tell you how they have treated it and uh, been successful with it that's on the way
1: right here but first let's go to the phones for your calls toll free from the free animal radio app for iphone android and blackberry and we go to melanie
7: hey melanie hi
1: how are you doing today
7: Um, me and my family, we bought a house, and after my sister's newborn turned one, she decided she wanted to get a family dog, and we all live in this house. It's my sister, brother-in-law, the 10-year-old, the 2-year-old, my mother, and myself, and there's lots of space, and we thought that everything would be okay with the dog. Well, apparently, I seem to be having trouble with this dog. It doesn't, it's, it's like I come in, and it growls at me. And there are times it's jumping on me. And there's been a couple times where I've tried to go ahead and pet it and befriend it because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm being told that it's not, that it thinks that I don't like it. And it okay. tries to bite me. Um, okay. but, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm in and out of this house more than any like everybody else. So I like dogs. I don't quite know. It's a mixed breed. It's about the size of a Chihuahua. But from my understanding, it's not a Chihuahua mix.
8: Okay, so, so it's small.
7: Yeah, so it's a small size dog. And okay. I'm just like, I'm trying. I'm trying. There have been times like everybody has left the house and then it's just me and the dog. And then the dog walks around with its tail tucked under itself. And I know that that means it's scared or it's nervous. And I'm like, well, I've never done anything to the mm. dog. <laughs> okay. And I'm just sitting here like, wow, how, how am I supposed to get along with you if you won't even come near me? And okay. I, I don't, so I don't know. I thought I would call because (laughs) because I'm like, now I'm adjusting my schedule. Because sometimes I get home at 4 o'clock in the morning and it'll go nuts. It starts barking because it knows I'm in the house.
6: And Hmm. I'm like, now I'm
7: adjusting my schedule because I'm like, I don't want to wake anybody in the house up. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't even come home when I need to. (laughs) Okay.
8: All right. Well, now, are there other pets in the home or is this the only dog? The only pet. The only pet. Okay. And then has she tried to bite you or is she more barking and just kind of demonstrating that she's, she knows you're around?
7: No, she has tried to bite me.
8: She has tried. Okay. Yeah. And what was the situation when she tried to bite you? Was she, were you I walking was, near? Was she being held? Uh, what was the... She was, a, we were, I was in the living room
7: and uh, I was sitting on the couch and I was actually having a conversation with my sister. And then it was like, it's like she saw, I don't know what happened. Like she saw me. She knew I was there. She came in the living room and then she went to go chase one of the kids. But then she came back and she started growling at me. And my so my sister was trying to tell her, you know, stop, don't do that. And then it got on the couch to sit next to her. And my sister's like, well, maybe you should try to pet her. So I was trying to like be nice and pet her. And she oh. kind of just turned around and almost snapped okay. at me. And I was like, yeah. I said, you know what? I don't. I don't get it. I'm an animal
8: lover. (laughs) Oh, and I know that must break your heart. Yeah. And it's your house. I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm being told I can't come home at the time. I want to come home. of The dog. Yeah. yeah, In that story, I was just waiting. I was just waiting for you to say, please don't tell me you leaned over your sister to try to pet the dog because you were going to get bit, definitely. That yeah. whole, everything about her, what, she, what you've told me so far about her body language and her behavior. Um, so it, this could be a detailed thing to kind of get to the nitty-gritty here, whether she's being um, solely protective of her family, meaning her family that she knew solely before you came around, um, or if it's even a territorial thing, um because she sees where she's at now as her new territory she doesn't care nor did she know that you were there first and that it's your your place technically um you know she's residing and, and part of her job and what she's done in the home before they came to live with you is just being transplanted into the new situation so I don't know if they've had problems with visitors to the home or other people but oftentimes this type of behavior is something that certain dogs have either protecting their home their family um, or you know out of fear. So that's where it gets complicated because if she had say, you know, a bad experience with someone who had some kind of physical characteristic that resembled you, dogs remember that stuff. So that's why they can be afraid of people with hats or, you know, tall people. They
7: got her, they got her as a puppy. They got her when she was six weeks old. So she went Mm -hmm. from her mom to our house and I was Mm -hmm. there and she didn't have a problem as a puppy when Mm -hmm. I would like pick her up and all of that stuff. But Now I don't know, and I'm trying to be like, okay, do I smell like another dog? Because I'm not around another dog,
8: you know? Yeah, yeah. So so some of this I will tell you, there are some simple things we can try. But I, I do think that because there are also children involved, it, it may be best to get a trainer involved in your household situation because um, what's happening to you could certainly happen to some other individual in the home scenario. But some of the simple things that we do when we want a dog to like a person, that they have something, and I'm not going to say against, because dogs don't hold grudges. They just have... um Uh, phobias, they have feelings of previous experiences, or they've just not been socialized to certain uh, aspects of someone. So even though okay. she's you know b- been a puppy in that household for since she was 6 weeks old you know there's still there's something about the situation she's not comfortable with and in you know 3 minutes or less I can't get to the nitty-gritty of that <laughs> but I can tell you we want you to really be the the favorite human in the household and the ways that everyone can help to embrace this and to make this a, a better transition for you and her is to do certain things with you and one would be that you are the provider of all edible goods in this house and that sh- she recognize that so nobody else should be feeding this dog but you and it's just a subtle way that it kind of helps her to recognize that you're the provider of something good um that when you're around good things happen i'm going to get food i'm going to get a treat whatever it might be and yeah it's kind of bribing them (laughs) i i get that but it's really using something that's a very positive thing and helping to associate it with you know because she's got a negative uh, an aversion you know to to your presence
7: What if I told you I tried that and she won't, she won't come to me. I tried to give her a treat. She won't come to me. I tried. No, I don't
8: want her to come to you. I don't even, I don't want you to try to, that's not the goal. The goal is for you to give her food and to walk away. You are the one that feeds her. If she now she won't eat the food, then I think the food, you know, I think she should. It's it's uh, this is where it gets tough because then you have to have someone on the ground kind of helping you with these scenarios, um, you know, so that you don't get bit. But um, you know, you should be feeding her. Nobody else should be in the household. And um, no, we're not going to try to ask to pet her. That comes later. You just are going to be the good person with food. That's all I want you to be. The other things that I would ask you to do would be not to. in, In the dog world, there's certain things that we. We can do that can be uh, perceived as a challenge one is making direct eye contact while we may look lovingly at a dog's eyes if you love dogs you're like oh hi sweetie how are you don't do it you know she's you know she's uneasy we don't want to do anything that's going to make her more on guard so just don't make eye contact it's just you know you can walk into the room and you can talk and you can still do your normal things but we're really i hate to say ignoring the dog but we're not really making too much of a deal of recognizing that she's there um, th- that's, I think, is going to be a, a helpful thing. The other thing would be is to have your sister or other adults in the home enlisted to maintain physical con- control of her because, um, okay. you know, a, having her running around the house when you come in is just furthering her anxiety. She's barking, she's running around, she's doing things, and it's not safe for one, and for you or for her, and, um, you know, it, it's just feeding the situation. So we need to keep her um, contained. And that means preferably not your sister holding her up around her chest or, like, loving and cuddling her because that's basically putting her in a position of uh, equal to humans um, you know th- that okay. we want her maybe on a leash or um, you know on the floor your, your sister could be standing and really make sure that we have that physical control of her um, okay. and be patient because it really yeah we want we want just her to tolerate you first and then then you get to work up to things where you're like you know you can put a treat down and maybe she'll run halfway across the room for it and that's a success and then we'll build up to maybe letting her um, you know come close to you and taking a treat out of your hand that'll that'll be a while (laughs) okay that sounds good well good luck with that melanie thanks for your call well you
1: lucky dog don't forget you can get your fix of animal radio anytime you want with the animal radio app for iphone and android it's made possible by fear-free happy homes helping your pets live their happiest healthiest fullest lives at home at the vet and everywhere in between Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio.
6: If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify.
9: Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at
1: 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to the Pet Food Institute. It's an organization that represents most of the major pet food companies. We're going to find out what you should be looking for in your pet food and how it is regulated. That's just around the corner right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom?
5: Well, there's paternity leave, maternity leave, and paternity leave. (gasps) How cool is that? We'll share with you coming up.
1: That is so cool. And about time. That's on the (laughs) way right here. Let's hit the phones. I believe we have Vaughn on the phone? Yes, sir. Hey, Vaughn, how are you doing?
4: I'm pretty good.
1: Where are you calling from?
4: Yeah, right now, I just went through, I'm going through Needles, California.
1: Ooh, must be hot out there, huh?
4: Yeah, it's about 105.
1: Oh, okay. Are you traveling with any animals?
4: No, I don't. I leave all of them at the house. I got a couple of dogs, and they're too big, and my cat, she, he don't like traveling.
1: Okay, so they're at home in the air conditioning.
4: Well, they're at home in the house, but the air isn't working at home yet now. So. Oh. But it shouldn't be too hot there.
1: Okay, well, you are on with Dr. Debbie. Who, who are we talking about today? What uh, The cat or the dog? The cat. Okay, what's up with your cat?
4: Okay, we uh, was living in one place, and we decided it needed to be bigger, so we jerked it out and put another modular unit in. But before we moved over the modular unit, he just seemed like he liked to urinate in the floor all the time, in the hallway. Well, after yes. we moved out of there... Now he's wanting to go in the living room.
8: Okay. And, and when he's urinating, where is he urinating exactly? In the center of the room, against the walls, in the corners?
4: Basically about anywhere he decides to. He don't have a really direction that he wants to. Like one time it can be in the middle of the floor, or one time it can be close to the wall, uh, one time it can be up against the washer dryer.
8: Okay. And and does the kitty go outside, or are we just staying inside?
4: He's just staying inside.
8: Okay. Plus he sneaks out. uh, (laughs) And is he a neutered kitty? Has he been neutered? All righty. Very good. And do you have other cats running around the house, too, or just him?
4: i got about nine other ones outside.
8: Holy cow, nine.
4: Yeah.
8: (laughs) Ah, now do any of those cats come inside?
4: Well,
8: they sneak in. Okay. alrighty. Now, is there anything else going on with the kitty that has you concerned? Anything else as far as uh, not feeling right? Um, any kind of discoloration to his urine? Does it seem like he's peeing excessively, or is it about his normal amount?
4: Things about normal is just like, you know, he'll get upset, and then that's when he, you
1: know. So, sounds like we've lost... We've lost Vaughn. Yeah, we've lost him. He was on a cell there. Hopefully he's listening. But this is is a problem that we've had around the Animal Radio Studios. There's so many cats outside that the cats inside spray to mark their territory. I believe that's what's going on. Could that be what's going on with him?
8: You know, absolutely. That's, it's a very confusing situation when, you know, he's, he's got different signals and different thoughts. You know, cats that are indoors can live a happy indoor existence, but when we start to have personalities and cats that they're seeing and smelling, um, that live outside, then there's a whole territory kind of question. So, you know, it's very possible that your kitty could be having problems where he's trying to mark his turf. Um, you know, I first want to make sure we don't have a health problem and you always should have a a urine check to make sure we don't have any infections or stones or problems of those natures. But boy, it really sounds like he has the possibility that he is just frustrated. Um, So we'd really need to figure out some way to accommodate his world differently. Um, We would want to either keep the blinds closed, keep the other cats out and let him live his happy indoor existence Um, or make an accommodation where, you know, we've got, uh, you know, a certain cat that stays inside with him. Um, There's so much that goes into the marking of their territory that some cats will spray on corners, some will spray in the middle of the floor, others will go into bathtubs, and sometimes right in front of your very face. So I would really want to make sure that we kind of block the scenario where these other cats could be, uh, you know, seeing your kitty. And then at the same time, make sure everything's kosher with that litter box, because if it stinks, uh, your cat's not going to want to use it. Uh, So you want to make sure you change the litter frequently. Um, Sometimes we'll even play around with the litter types and and try some different varieties out there for your kitty. Um, But if there's any concerns, I'd definitely make sure we get him checked out uh, with the vet, give him a clean uh, bill of health in his urinary tract, and then uh, work on some of those environmental things where we can try to modify things.
1: Make sure it's not a urinary infection.
8: Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times we miss that possible um, infection and we rule it off as a behavioral problem. And There's really like a chronic uh, illness going on. So you don't want to miss that. It's a common mistake.
1: Very, very good. Okay, you know what? This Since it is such a common problem, we've actually put information up at AnimalRadio.com on inappropriate urination. You can just do a search from the front of the website. We are with Dr. Debbie and she's answering your questions.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
10: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Workers at the Meridian Connecticut Humane Society are marveling at a mother cat named Satin who adopted a six-day-old Rottweiler pup who was rejected by his own mother. The puppy, now named Charlie, nurses right next to a litter of black and gray kittens. The kittens snuggle up to him like he's one of them. Charlie's dog mom was found on the side of the road. She gave birth to two puppies, one was stillborn, and she rejected the other. A local vet explained that it wasn't that unusual for cats and dogs to bond in those situations. Rottweilers usually grow to be around 100 pounds, so as Charlie grows, volunteers are hoping that dog owners will volunteer their puppies to be Charlie's playmates. But for now, Charlie's happy to be a kitten, although he hasn't meowed yet. I'm Brit Savage for Animal Radio are people, too. Animal Radio
3: The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing and always need to stick your fingers to test your blood sugar. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. Apply a discrete sensor on your body and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger sticks. If you are living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and you administer insulin three or more times per day, or use an insulin pump, you might be eligible for a CGM through your insurance benefits. U.S. Med partners with over 500 private insurance companies and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits check. 800-785-1673, 800-785-1673, 800-785-1673,
9: that's 800-785-1673.
2: This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com.
5: I'm Lori Brooks. HarperCollins Publishers in India is uh, setting a new trend offering their employees paternity leave when they adopt a new pet, giving workers up to five days of paid leave to settle in with their new animal friend. The publisher says it wants to encourage responsible adoption of animals as well as make life easier for their staff who choose to open their homes to furry friends. The company is also helping to improve the, you know, the work-life balance of employees. And the paternity leave is part of their being mindful about the family needs of employees. Of course, you know, more and more people are opting to have pets nowadays, so pet-friendly companies get a ton of appreciation from job seekers, particularly the younger generation, because research has shown that millennials are more likely to choose to have pets than children, so this really is a good trend to start off on. There has been a growing trend, by the way, in giving employees time off of their pets. According to a new report out from Business Insider, they say Mars Pet Care, Bitsall Solutions, and BrewDog also offer paternity leaves. While Kempton Hotels, Mars Incorporated, Maxwell House, or rather, Matt's Coffee, you know what I'm thinking about, Maxwell <laughs> Health in Boston, and TruePanion all let their staff take some time off to grieve a pet who's passed away. Well, after a lot of activism, and I, I know you've seen this if you've been on any kind of social media, a lot of bad publicity, dog meat sales have been banned at China's infamous annual Yulin Festival, which happens this month. The local government there has rolled out a new law affecting restaurants, street vendors, and the dreaded dog meat traders banning dog meat sales there. Violators, they say, would face fines of 15 thousand dollars per offense the dog meat trade in china as horrible as it sounds is uh, also responsible for the theft of pets in the country can you imagine your pet being stolen and you know thinking what might happen to Mm. You know, health concerns are also another concern, by the way, with uh, regard to dog meat consumption, as China has the second highest number of reported rabies cases in the world, according to the World Health Organization. And volunteers at an overdose site, an overdose prevention site in Vancouver, say they saved the life of a pet rat whose name was Snuggles after the little rodent overdosed on heroin that it had eaten off of a table. The former owner brought Snuggles in and the rat was near death. The volunteers uh, weren't sure what to do, so like they would to a human, they gave it some Narcan drops but they put it on the nose. Narcan can be either given in the nose by a nasal spray or by injection, but because Snuggles was so tiny, they didn't want to risk anything, you know, by giving him an injection. They were afraid they could puncture an organ or something. Snuggles did make a full recovery, and the woman who took the rat to the center has now asked one of the volunteers to care for Snuggles while she goes through rehab addiction treatment. So, how do you go and say, what do you say, to radiate my heroin? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't mine.
4: It just happened to be there and the rat ate it.
5: <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Oh, Get push. more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The
2: veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi, this is
7: Maya Bialik on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It's Animal Radio celebrating our connection with our pets. We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds for Dr. Debbie and for dog father Joey Villani. But first, from the Pet Food Institute, we're visiting with the head of communications, Mary Emma Young. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? I'm
11: great. How are you?
1: Very good. So what is the Pet Food Institute?
11: The Pet Food Institute is the National Trade Association for U.S. Pet Food Makers. So we are based in Washington, D.C., and Pet Food and Treat Makers are our member companies. They make about 98% of all of the uh, Pet Food and Treat products for dogs and cats that you'll see on the shelf in the store. And as the trade association, you know, we really advocate on behalf of the industry. Um, whether that be working with our regulatory bodies, such as the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or communications outreach, as I do.
1: Who funds PFI?
11: So we are funded through our member companies. They provide the, the dues for us as part of our ongoing outreach and activities.
1: When I go into the store, I look at all of the foods that are on the shelf. There are tons of food. I mean, it's <laughs> hard, hard to make a decision as to what food to select there. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it true that uh, most of these foods are made by like five or six manufacturers?
11: So you will see a number of co-manufacturers out there um, who will produce for other brands in the industry.
1: When you say regulatory standards, what regulatory organization overlooks pet food?
11: You know, it's funny because one of the things that I find is people are surprised to hear that pet food is one of the most uh, regulated food products in the U.S. Really? And sometimes we don't think that. One of the big ways in which pet food is regulated is under the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and there was a sweeping food safety law um, signed into effect in 2011 called the Food Safety Modernization Act, or FISMA, as we typically call it. Uh, that included some rules that codified many of the ongoing industry practices, and so pet food and treat makers are currently entering enforcement and compliance under FISMA, uh, it's rolling based on company size. So depending on the size of your company, you might have, if you're smaller, you have more time to prepare for obligations under FSMA. And so recently what we've been doing is reaching out to some of these companies to make sure they fully understand their requirements under the Food Safety Modernization Act and that they're preparing and getting ready for this new law.
1: When I, uh, and I'm going to hearken back to 2007, which was a big recall that happened due to melamine, At that time, it struck me interesting that all of these foods were being sourced from the same place. Even though there was uh, dozens of different foods, the source was all coming from the one single factory.
11: Yeah. FSMA was a unique situation because that really was, or excuse me, melamine was a unique instance because that was really a tragic incident that we're talking about here. And that was the result of an intentional criminal adulteration of ingredients Mm. um, by an organization
1: and that was, and if I recall, that was an organization that was trying to uh, increase the protein levels in pet foods using melamine instead of uh, the natural sources, because it was cheaper, right?
11: Yeah, it was for economic gain. And it was an interesting moment. I mean, tragic and something that we in, an, in the industry had never seen before.
1: So what's changed since 2007 to prevent something like that happening again?
11: Well, the fact is that companies have had prior to the Food Safety Modernization Act, a number of practices in place. But uh, since 2011, with uh, FISMA signed into law, we've seen three uh, critical steps that each company must comply with. First is establishing what we call good manufacturing practices. So this includes requirements for employee hygiene, facility design, equipment upkeep and maintenance. Establishing preventive controls. That means looking for what the potential hazards are across your uh, manufacturing process. And after you identify those hazards, preemptively taking steps to mitigate them in advance.
12: Sure. Okay. And
11: in addition, each company has to have a food safety plan. So that's written steps where they're taking to ensure product safety from sourcing ingredients to the steps needed to carry out a product recall.
1: Mm. There seems to be a lot of recalls lately, and I'm not sure if it's because there's uh, bad foods out there or if it's because we're more vigilant now, but uh, Mm -hmm. the recall with the uh, pentobarbital in the foods, which is an agent used to euthanize animals, sort of indicated that the meat that was rendered for the food had euthanized animals in it. When I look at the package of food that has uh, pictures of meat and the vegetables on the front, I don't generally think of euthanized animals. What, what is in our food, and what should our animals be eating?
11: You know, uh, it, it's two interesting points there. First is that uh, before an ingredient can be used in, in pet food, it has to be um, recognized um, in four different ways, whether it's through um, at the federal level and at the state level. Our website at petfoodinstitute.org talks through what those four specific steps are, wherein an ingredient can be used in pet food. And there are a lot of options out there, I recognize that. But my suggestion, because you see a lot of options out there in the aisle, and you want to pick what's best for your pet, uh-huh. is to, to look for um, a few different components on the label. Here's my suggestion. Okay. First is to ensure that that recipe is marked as complete and balanced. Okay. That means that it's including the right nutrient levels at the right amount that your pet is receiving is a full nutrient range.
1: Who determines that nutrient level?
11: Uh, So that can be tested through the uh, company itself, but pet food products also are registered at each state, and that's normally something that will be examined at the state registration as well.
1: We're with Mary Emma Young. She's the head of communications for the Pet Food Institute. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more.
6: We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started.
9: Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-485-4409. 800-485-4409. 800-485-4409. That's 800-485-4409. You're
0: listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We are with Mary Emma Young. She's the head of communications for the Pet Food Institute. I'm looking at the side Mm -hmm. of a can, and this is how I pick my food when I look at the can and I see what the ingredients are. The first thing I'm looking for is a meat right there at the very top, a protein right Mm -hmm. at the top. But so many of these foods have corn byproduct and meal at the top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is really a specific and appropriate food for our animals? And I know it changes with their age and and Mm -hmm. the type of animal. I understand Mm -hmm. that. But basically, what should we be looking for as a species specific food?
11: My recommendation is first of all, remember that ingredients, just as they can be a little trendy in the human food realm, can be a little trendy in the pet food realm. And sometimes an ingredient can get a bad rap that perhaps it does not deserve. Okay. So, uh, you know, again, it might be beef as the first ingredient. It might be rice. It might be a meal. What's more important, again, in my view, is that the nutrient profile is there. So your pet is getting the protein the fiber, the fat that that pet needs, and, you know, different ingredients can deliver that. And so it's really what makes you feel good.
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of controversy now, and you you probably certainly have heard that. Uh, And there's a lot of small, very kind of homegrown companies that are creating foods that are, uh, in particular, raw diets. Mm -hmm. What is your stance on raw diets?
11: At the Pet Food Institute, we're neutral on raw. Um, If folks want to feed that to their pet, I think that's fine. There are just two items I like to advise folks to be aware of. First is ensuring that it's a nutritionally complete meal and that it has all the vitamins and minerals that uh, an an other diet may provide. My other advice is just to be aware of the safety and handling concerns, um, salmonella exposure, E. coli, Mm -hmm. and perhaps less so for your pet than for other uh, two-legged members of your family, if I may advise and just as we might handle um, raw meat while cooking, you know, preparing our dinner at home, be aware of those safety practices while you prepare that at home as well.
1: Okay. You say that, um, that uh, it's one of the most regulated industries, and mm-hmm. when I think about the meats that I want to eat, they are the prime meats of the animal. But I, I'm wondering, are the animals that are rendered for this just about any part of the animal, and where do the animals come from? Are they raised for this particular purpose, or are they animals that may have been killed or sick or less desirable that they're not good enough for human consumption?
11: Yeah, and you hit on, I think, two very good points here. First is that I want to talk about what a byproduct is, okay. and which is what's used for a, typically what's used for a rendered meal, which is what you'll see. A byproduct is parts of the animal that we as Americans do not eat. And that might be part, first, I would add, that's parts of ingredient that perhaps are parts of an animal that in another country, some might consider a delicacy. And the fact is that by using these byproducts, um, it's a great way to prevent the food waste because it's still nutrient-dense, edible material. And frankly, in the wild, that's what a, I'm a dog person, so I always use dog examples, so please excuse me that's what a wild dog would go through for first is some of those parts of the animals that we as humans go, that's kind of gross, but they might love that part in the, in the wild and that's nutrient dense. So that's what, uh, where, um, those products really come from. And so it could be coming from, um, the remains of what's being processed for human use.
1: When I, uh, think about the labels that I see when I walk through the stores, I'm Mm -hmm. a little bit concerned because, First of all, we're talking about, again, a $29 billion industry. I am not fully convinced myself that the manufacturer's interests are more in my pet's health as they are in the bottom line.
11: Yeah. And, and you know, that it, it always sort of shocks me a little bit to hear that kind of comment. Um, you know, we've done some recent uh, discussions with our member companies and so with our PFI members, and they have activities across the board um, because uh, supporting pets because pets are such a part of the culture at our companies. Um, first, I learned, which is kind of funny, is the pet ownership rates at our member companies are greater than the national average. Um, more people uh, at some of our member companies have uh, pets than what you'll find on the street. And they're doing initiatives, you know, across the field and supporting pets, whether it's um, supporting initiatives to build parks, Um, dog parks or pet-friendly policies at the office, to donating tens of millions of pounds of food to um, emergency relief efforts or shelters. We're seeing a lot of steps that are demonstrating that pets are a big part of the culture at these companies.
1: So what do you say to the people that don't agree with you as far as the interests of the manufacturers? Let me give you an example. For instance, Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, uh, cigarette smoking, the, the, the dangers of cigarette smoking really were not out yet and in fact many of the big tobacco companies with deep pockets would spend lots of money getting doctors to say that cigarette smoking was good and lobbying
5: making it glamorous too
1: yeah making glamorous in part for the big tobacco companies Mm -hmm. When I hear about a company like the Pet Food Institute or organization that is essentially funded by all of the major pet food companies, I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if that's sort of the same situation.
11: Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I I hear and I understand the concern um, and the growing interest in wanting to be invested in our pet's health. Um, Pets are a part of the family, and I, I recognize that. You know, the fact is that our efforts are on raising the standard across the industry in many ways in how we talk about and execute safety and pet nutrition and raising the boat for all of us.
1: Okay. I appreciate your time today. If people want to learn more, where can they go?
11: Uh, They can find us uh, online at www.petfoodinstitute.org. We're also on Twitter at U.S.
1: Pet Food. I appreciate you taking time to spend with us today. Mary Emma Young, Head of Communications at the Pet Food Institute.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: What are you going to feed your pets tonight? Probably the same food that they had last night, the night before, and Mm -hmm. is it any good? Well, if you were with us last hour, you learned how the pet food industry is being regulated from the Pet Food Institute. This hour, we're going to talk to a gentleman who's created a film, a great film you should check out, called Pet Fooled. Cole Harrington will be joining us, and he thinks thinks you're being cheated, and so are your animals, and it could be fatal for them. So you want to stick around for that. Uh, see how uh who is it ro 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 is very
5: upset no, about. that's that's sunday in the kitchen saying i like what cole harrington has to say <laughs> now feed me what do you got coming up this hour lori well um the top five favorite animal characters of all time so that's not you know the lassie and the loud sundays that is the animated characters
1: no mr ed because mr ed's not uh everybody's looking at me who's mr ed <laughs>
5: <laughs>
13: I remember Mr. Red. I love that show.
1: Okay, that's on the way in just a couple of minutes. Let's hit the phones right now. Ask your questions from the free animal radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, who is this? Oh, uh, this is Bill. Hey, Bill, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good.
14: I got a question for the Adrian. Um, I have a umbrella cockatoo, and uh, I have a Malacan cockatoo. That, well, the, the Malacan cockatoo I sold... To um CB shop, Triple T truck stop, and and uh, there's a CB shop there, and the guy wanted a bird, and I had some birds at home, but only two go with me, and the they, umbrella, they travel with you? Yes, in it, your it, truck. Semi. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, and the umbrella, uh, the, the umbrella I raised in in my truck, and uh, she's real attached to me. I would never let go of her. But big bird, I call him. His name. Uh, he's really loud. Talks a lot. Friendly. Um, everybody likes him, but he is really loud and he needs a an enor- enormous amount of attention. And I mean, a lot of attention. <laughs> so, Makes
8: for a very small cab, I'd imagine.
14: <laughs> oh yes, and some we've had screaming matches in the truck when I put him in his cage, and he wanted out. He would just scream at me, and I would just scream back. We'd have the screaming match, and, you know, <laughs> i say, okay, you're not getting out, and he'd scream, ha, 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 you know, like, <laughs> but anyway, I don't know why I sold him. I think it was one of those days where we had one of those screaming matches, and, he's, and the guy says, uh, "He," I sold him to him, but anyway, he's he's been there for eight months, and I've been checking on him all the time, calling him every month, and I, I miss the bird terrible wish you didn't sell them huh oh i hated it when i when i left the truck stop i go oh my god what did i just do that bird saved my life one time Mm. really
7: Um, what how did he save your your life
14: well i'm a truck driver you know truck drivers you know they do things and drive and drive and drive and it was one of those days where i was driving 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 because the snow was behind me and i wanted to stay keep it that way and I was driving, driving, driving in Wyoming, and I started going to go sleep. Oh, no. So I Gee. felt myself fading off, and all of a sudden, things just became a blur. And all of a sudden, Big Bird, that's the name of, my, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, name of the bird that I sold then bit me on the ear. It didn't really oh. draw blood, but he Hello. grabbed <laughs> a hold of my ear, and he pulled my head back and woke me up. Wow.
1: Wow. He really, yeah, you really and, saved your life there.
14: Yes. And I, and I, because he bit that, was clamping down, and I thought, oh my God, he's grabbed my ear, and I looked up, and I go, oh my God, what am I doing? I almost went off the road, and sure. I just turned the wheel just in time to get it back on the road, and my trailer was swerving a little bit, and the truck was swerving. There was no traffic ahead of me or behind me. It was, it was just pitch dark. Bill,
1: Bill, let me get this straight. Uh, you sold the bird that saved your life.
14: That's right.
1: Okay, just wanted to make sure I got this straight.
14: <laughs> Pretty stupid, huh? Aww. <laughs> but anyway, that was a few years ago, and when I sold the bird, I go, "What in the heck did I just do?" <laughs> so, so I've have been you? Feeling so heart sick. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Have you visited him, or are you just checking, inquiring by phone with him?
14: Well, I visited. I visited him um, one time. And he remembered me and come right up to me, and my other little uh, umbrella came right down to him. When they started talking, we all started talking. We was like a family again, right? Well, the guy, he acted like he wasn't going to sell him back to me because we had this agreement. If he didn't want the bird, he'd have to sell him back to me. Okay. I said, okay. So that's what I've been hoping. So I called him back last week, and he said, uh, he said, can you, while he... (laughs) He says this too. The fact he says I love the bird to death. He's just I I," says I just love the bird. He talks. He's friendly, but he says he's driving my neighbors nuts and he's screaming and screaming and screaming. And he says I think he wants to be back with you or something. He's asked me if I want him back, and I oh, of course. When. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, he sounds,
8: he sounds like he's one of those exuberant children who um, are very loud, boisterous, but once they're out of your life that you kind of say, gosh, it's so quiet without Johnny here. And uh, so are you looking at getting him back then?
14: Yes. Uh, yes, I'm going, I'm driving down, uh, I'm trying to get over there close by Tucson to pick him up. And the guy called me the other day, and he says, "Are you are you coming?" I said, "Oh yeah, you bet." I got his cage in his truck, and I got a different truck now, so it's all modified for him because he'll eat your truck if you don't modify <laughs> it. Mm. <laughs> I got a I got a different truck now, so I, I hope he likes it. But anyway, I got a question. Uh, do you think? Well, I got two questions. One, every time I I, I bring food in the truck. I eat. I love hot dogs, and every time I get in there, Big Bird wants my hot dog. He'll fight me over it. <laughs> he sees me eating hot dog, He'll fight me over it. And my uh-huh. my and my umbrella never used to like hot dogs, but when I sold Big Bird, now he likes hot dogs. So every time I go in there, he wants my hot dog. Uh, this came about one time when I left the hot dog on a dash when I went to fuel, and I went back <laughs> in my truck and he was eating my hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> He was eating one end, and the other bird was eating one end, and I just cut it in half and said, go at it. So is that that safe for them? Mm
8: -hmm. Well... Hot dogs are certainly probably not one of the the favored health foods for people, and it would probably be the same for birds. But you know what? They can certainly eat a lot of things that we do. And I think what you're describing is there's a lot of social eating when we have birds, and um, part of the fun is sharing the food that the human eats as well. So in a small amount, I don't see a problem with him having a hot dog. Um, you know, certainly a little bit high in some fat type substances that we probably wouldn't want him to have as a regular basis. But you know, for a treat here and there if he enjoys it it's part of your social bonding I'm all for it and and I would be very happy to hear him back in your life um, as loud as he might be um, but you know especially if he thrives in that kind of um, the traveling environment and being in the cab with you um, I, i'm I'm very happy for you and, and I, I hope that works out for you guys
14: yes and there's do you think I'm gonna have a problem with him getting him back it, because it's been eight months you think he's Going to be okay. So, are you? Cause see, see, one time I left him out of my truck because my wife wanted to keep him at home for a while. And then my wife couldn't handle him. Then I put him back in the truck and then we had a problem for a while. But now it's been eight months. So you think I want to be okay? He's going to be all right.
8: <laughs> no, I-, I wanted to ask you do you travel with both birds in the truck at the same time or do you alternate?
14: Um, they, they both go with me um, at the same time. What, uh, Big Bird has his own perch on um on the passenger side. There's a seat I uh, rigged up and it's got a little um it's got a little perch there for him and and, and my wife says he's gonna fall off of there and what does is when I slow down I got a little bell there and he grabs on the little bell with his dick. <laughs>
8: I would love to I would love to see the picture of your cab because yeah. it sounds like this is the most bird friendly traveling arrangement that you could have and as long as you have some supports where he's able to kind of hold on if there's a shift in in movement but most birds are pretty good about grasping especially if they're um you know they're they're uh uh, they're well groomed, um, and as far as your concerns for him, like I guess you know, if you're concerned about him recognizing or fitting into the family situation, from what you've described, when he's recognized you and your other bird w- when you visited, you know, there's going to be a little bit of acclamation um, in readjusting to the situation. But it certainly sounds like he thrived in that situation. He was excited when he saw you uh, visiting, and and I would say. Um, I, I would be there with open arms and just be ready for and getting your buddy back and uh, you know give him a little little extra space. You know he might not fall back into the same routines quite as he did before, um, but I think with time getting back to the routine, you know he'll he'll find his place and and I think you're going to be very happy. So thank oh, yeah. you. And I, I wish you good luck here, Bill. Um, we'll be anxious to hear how he adapts and gets going uh, back on the road. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone
4: and Android. Hi, this is Doug Gray the Marshall Tucker Band. And forever, you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets.
10: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. I've heard of a wonder bra, but I wonder what Jill Nispel was thinking. The 35-year-old Floridian woman was recently arrested for stuffing her bra with a parrot. It was a rare green-winged parrot she stole from her employer, Baby Exotic Birds of Englewood. She then tried to trade the parrot for a vintage car. But when she told the car's owner about her bra-stuffing technique, he called a good friend of his, who just happened to be the owner of the bird shop she stole the bird from. The parrot was valued at $2,000, and the bra-stuffing bird snatcher was charged with grand theft. I'm Brit Savage for Animal Radio. <laughs> To. Animal
0: Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on,
6: learn more. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call
9: U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673.
6: Hi, this is Clive Pierce from HGTV. You're listening to Animal Radio.
1: It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets And in just a few minutes, the director of the film, Pet Fooled, and he thinks you should be very, very careful about, be very, very careful about the foods that you pick off the shelves because there's so many awesome foods and pretty bad foods on the shelf at your pet store. I mean, it's hard to really even make a choice. He's going to tell you how to make that choice coming up in just a few minutes. Lori, what are you working on?
5: Well, we're going to tell you about a new dog scam that's out there, and you'll find that one online, Beware. And uh, cats that uh, try to help you with yoga.
1: I get all my yoga proses <laughs> from my cats. So Actually,
5: I... it's, the, it's the cats that are helped from the yoga.
1: Okay, which one? Line two? Hi, who's this? Ariel. Hi, Ariel. How are you doing?
13: Hi, I'm good. How are you?
1: Very good. Where are you calling from today?
13: Um, Orange County, down in Irvine.
1: You sound like you're in a giddy mood, too.
13: I'm okay with it. I have a funny, funny question of a funny, funny cat.
1: Well, we have a funny, funny vet, and her name's Dr. <laughs> Deb, and she's on with us right now.
8: Well, hey there, what do you got going on with your kitty?
13: Okay, I have a Siamese cat named Sushi, she's about two years old and she has a problem with sucking her tail to the point where the tip is discolored and I don't know what to do or why she's doing it.
8: (laughs) Okay, well this is a fun call and how, how old is Sushi?
13: I think she's about probably just over two years.
8: Okay, and has she been doing this behavior since you had her?
13: Yeah. Um, pretty much. I adopted her rescue from about seven months ago.
8: Alrighty, So you're probably noticing her, like, you're laying in bed and you've got a wet, cold tail slapping on you or something. Right, like and
13: it's turn, It's discolored now. It's turned from brown to red.
8: Yes. Now, does she have any other habits where she sucks on, like, uh, clothing or any other parts of her body or your body? No, just that massage thing with the paws. Okay. <laughs> so she's a little happy feet thing.
1: Ma- making biscuits, huh?
8: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And that's very normal. That's the sign of a happy cat there. Okay, good. <laughs> so the tail-sucking phenomenon, and this is kind of interesting. And when you first said you had a Siamese cat, that just sent up all the red flags because Siamese Uh-oh. cats, are they're very special. Um, yeah, they I are. I love them. I love them to death, but they definitely have some kind of loose neuron going on there. <laughs> and tail sucking is one of those behaviors we see a lot with them. Um, oh. Some people believe that it's somehow a um, something that they lacked when they were nursing and they didn't have enough contact with their mom. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It, it, we can actually see that more with problems when when they're truly just bored. Um, and they just kind of turn to that as kind of a soothing behavior, and they find some self satisfaction, in that kind of makes them feel good. Um, oh God, I'm a bad mom. No, <laughs> but there toy. are things, there are things that we can do to try to, you know, decrease that possibility. And, and it's kind of hard because there's a lot of different factors we can look at, whether it's, you know, she's bored, it, and whether she's doing it for attention, because actually some cats will do this to get a rise out of us. Um, oh. You start yelling at them, wagging your hands at them, squirting water, whatever it might be. And it's actually negative reinforcement um, for that behavior. So I, have you tried doing anything so far for this? Well, I guess I need to stop the football kick, huh? <laughs>
13: no. How far, how far no, can you no, get him? Actually, No, Actually, I just i tickle her tummy is what I do. Because I thought it was you, cute until I noticed it started turning colors. Uh, mm. No,
8: do you tickle her tummy when she does this or to...
13: Just get her
8: to stop doing it. Okay. See, now, and that actually could be seen as a successful attention-seeking behavior because she's getting a response that she likes out of Uh, that behavior. So when she does that, we don't want to give her undue attention. We actually want to try to give her other ways, you know, and if she, if we can't eliminate the sucking behavior, it's completely possible. Some cats we cannot, um, and some Siamese love to do this. So we want to give her alternatives. Um, so I would encourage you, we'd like to look for things such as uh, Kitty Kong-type toys. Uh-huh. You can use... Types that you can put little treats in, little snackies, make it so that she has to work for her food. We want scheduled playtime for her. Um, things like okay. the cat dancer, the feather toys, Got things it. where we can get her active and doing things. Um, and if she. Yeah, all of that type of thing. And if she starts to do something that's close to sucking on that tail, we want to redirect it into something else. And I actually have some cats that I will use, um, kitty lollipops, I call them. And and they're not really lollipops, but you can actually get little rawhide shoes, such as for dogs. Uh And train her to that and okay. for a lot of cats they still have this oral urge to chew and to lick and you can redirect it to something like um the rawhide chew
13: yeah i guess Otherwise... that's how i got to break myself stuck in my thumb <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah and and definitely we don't want her to be picking up any habits off of you there so yeah uh, <laughs> i
13: started to wonder if i was an influence.
8: so much of what we do rubs off on our pet you just have a quirky cat there ariel i know i
13: know with a name like sushi maybe it's a punishment i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) we thank you for your call
0: today you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now with the free animal
15: radio app for iphone and android Alan Cable with your real dogs doing amazing things watch. You probably didn't know this, but during World War I, pit bulls were revered. They were on all the war posters and the dog and the little rascals is a pit bull. It seems like every decade has its vilified dogs. I remember back in the 70s, I think it was Dobermans, and then in the 80s it was Shepherds, and then in the 90s it was Rottweilers. It's been pit bulls for a long time now. So here's a real
2: stray pit bull
15: who did an amazing thing.
2: The dog was walking down the street in a small Georgia town when a man whipped out a knife while arguing with a woman.
15: Responding police officers gave the dog the name Hero, and rightfully so.
2: After he was able to fend off the predator so that the woman could actually escape.
15: In the process, Hero was stabbed by the guy with the knife five times. Hero's now at a pet adoption agency in Tennessee called Fighting for the Bullies. Some lucky person's going to be able to take him home in just a couple of weeks. This is Animal
4: Radio, baby. Hi, this is Justin Silver from CBS's Dogs in the City here on Animal Radio just reminding you to always stay new to your pets.
3: The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing and always need to stick your fingers to test your blood sugar. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. Apply a discrete sensor on your body and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger sticks. If you are living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, you might be eligible for a CGM through your insurance benefits. U.S. Med partners with over 500 private insurance companies and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits check. 800-785-1673, 800-785-1673, 800-785-1673,
9: that's 800-785-1673.
2: This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com.
5: I'm Lori Brooks. Police in the town of Winkler up in Manitoba, Canada, have been asking people to be extra vigilant when they buy anything online because they've had this case where three people were scammed out of hundreds of dollars when they bought dogs online that they never received the victims at all recently responded to online classified ads saying that they had dogs for sale and yes this does happen a lot in the US too but here is what happened after conversing with the seller the buyers were forced into paying these extra fees for services like kenneling or shipping, insurance, or excise taxes, just about anything. But once the upset buyers started asking questions about all of these, you know, sudden additional fees, the seller then kind of forced them into paying by threatening to file lawsuits against them for abandoning the deal or by telling them they could be charged with animal cruelty from walking away from the, from the sale. So in the end, none of the three people receive their dogs. So it's something to watch out for. But, you know, an easy way to avoid that scam is going to a local rescue shelter or by contacting any of the thousands and thousands of pet rescues. And there are even breed-specific rescues that usually take only purebred dogs all of which have many a dogs uh, that you can adopt.
1: Yeah, don't don't now, get that online. I mean that's I that's know. crazy silly. Yeah.
5: Yeah, and in, in in that case I guess you would just see videos of the dog but you wouldn't I don't know I've never done it so I probably shouldn't say but don't, I, yeah. you wouldn't have a chance to interact with the dog or no. you know see if it connects with you. Yep, yep.
1: Big mistake to go online to get an animal or a wife. Those those two things <laughs>
5: hell knows from
1: experience let my life serve as a lesson
5: well whether it's on youtube tv facebook or instagram video content featuring pets and animals continues to keep all of us especially kids and their parents laughing learning and more according to a new study that found that nearly half of parents let their children watch animal-based tv shows and videos because they make their kids laugh and smile and us too, right? Mm-hmm. 59% of parents let their kids watch content featuring animals because they say it educates them about nature. The study also found that 82% of parents and kids take photos or videos of their pets at least once a week. What does that make us? Because I know we all post like once a day. (laughs) But not surprisingly, dogs and cats were found to be kids' preferred animals when given the choice to have any pet. Dogs, cats, and fish, in fact, were found to be the three most common family pets. 27% of kids and parents choose to name their pets after a cartoon or film character. The study also revealed that the top five animal characters of all time are some of the most iconic as well. They would be Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. Tom and Jerry, Garfield, Mickey and Minnie Mouse, and Bugs Bunny. For cat lovers and exercise enthusiasts, free yoga classes filled with cats. Sounds like a pretty good <laughs> deal, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Check it out. These classes are offered with, with a larger purpose in mind, though. The greater good. The cats need homes. So the Paws Animal Adoption Center in Camden, Maine, offers free monthly cat yoga classes. Now, this is not your, your cats doing yoga. This is you going to a yoga class and cats are allowed to roam around and, you know, and you see pictures of them too and they climb all over you while you're, you know, halfway up in the air and doing, you know, downward dog position, that kind of stuff. So this introduces potential new pet owners to some kittens in need. And there's a happy ending for the cats, too, in this, because, you know, people get healthy, cats get adopted. And since they've started offering these special yoga sessions in January, all of the cats that have participated in this program have been adopted.
1: Oh, that is awesome.
5: I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has
2: been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Dogs or cats, horse
10: or emu, animals are peeing. In Germany, police say a woman attempting to make manure stink bombs with stockings slipped into a manure tank and fled the scene naked. Two women entered a farm in the northern village of Eberholzen and started filling up stockings with manure. A police spokesman reported one of them slipped into the manure tank right into the cow muck. The other one helped her out. We found their clothes in a field. One seems to have run off completely naked. The other in her underwear. Police said it was unclear what the women had intended to do with the manure bombs, adding the women can get their clothes back from the local police station unwashed. Now that stinks. I'm Brit Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app
1: for iPhone and Android. The phones have been ringing nonstop. Last hour, we had from the Pet Food Institute, Mary Emma Young. She's the head of communications there. Uh, The Pet Food Institute is a lobbying group run by, oh, pretty much the top uh, one, two, three, four, I'm going to say 20 uh, major pet food companies. And as I mentioned last hour, It's a $29 billion a year industry. They consist of, or this organization consists of, about 98% of the food that's out there. And treats. And treats. Yes.
5: You know, I I was in my my newsroom Mm -hmm. working on my my stuff when I listened to your interview with Mary Emma. And to me, it sounded very... political i wanted to say that she sounds like she's representing a candidate or something not and and i mean i know she's not on the line to defend herself right now but i'm not attacking her but just that i felt like you know she does a very good job of representing the pet food industry well
1: it's her job to spin it
5: exactly
1: i gotta say that you know there are good foods out there and these are foods that are made by uh, small mom and pop companies Yeah, and
2: they can't compete with the big guys who get all the advertising out there, but they're getting their food locally sourced, and they know where it's coming from, as opposed to these companies that are getting it from the same place, and if it's tainted, then everything gets tainted. And we learned
1: that in 2007, that everything is being sourced from the same place. So all of those foods you see on the shelf when you walk into Petco or PetSmart or your local independent store, mostly made by the same manufacturers. So last night... I uh, checked out a film, and it's over there on Netflix. And you should check it out if you have Netflix. It's called Pet Fooled, F-O-O-L-E-D. And the director, Cole Harrington, is with us. Hi, Cole. How are you doing?
16: Hey there. I'm good. How are you?
1: Nice job on the film. Thank you. Long time coming, I should say. It's something that really hasn't been broached.
16: Correct. And as you can probably come to the conclusion, the lobbying organization is very well-spoken and very well-worded. So there's an effort to, in my opinion, um, really not talk upfront about what is actually appropriate for a dog and a cat to eat.
1: And from your point of view, what is appropriate for a dog and cat to eat?
16: When I started the film, really there was two sides. One side would say corn and wheat is fine. That's what the industry's saying. Another side would say, feed what? you know, is species appropriate? So I really had to go figure out what exactly is species appropriate. If corn and wheat is suggested not to be appropriate, well, what is? And so there's a lot of confusion out there around this because industry is making a lot of money off of products that are primarily filled with corn and wheat and other questionable ingredients. So it was a Paul, whole is that learning curve. because
5: corn and wheat are inexpensive?
16: Um, that's a very inexpensive way to make a food, yes. So... Um, you know, and then as companies make foods with these ingredients, they do go above and beyond to have um, well-written documentation to support every ingredient that goes into their foods. So they will tell you corn is a nutritious form of protein. But what they're not saying is, is it species appropriate or not? Like, what's the digestibility of the corn compared to a fresh food diet?
1: When I look at the package of Beneful, I see pictures of corn. Beautiful and, picture. Uh,
16: it looks good. I want to yeah. eat this
1: stuff. Uh, what What's really behind that picture?
16: Um, well, turn it over and look at the ingredients. So uh, they did switch by the time I was filming the film, by the time the film came out, sort of as it came out. There were new Beneful products with meat as the first ingredient. But, you know, oftentimes that's a marketing ploy to say, hey, there's meat first on the label. But then what comes after that? Um, So, really, the film is advocating the approach to feeding. The most shocking thing that I learned while making this film is that dry dog and cat foods are not appropriate as a feeding style. They're not species appropriate to feed your dog or cat. They are convenient. Yeah,
5: they're made for people, right? They're
16: made for people. They're made for convenience. That's what the industry is not talking about. They're not talking about optimal nutrition. It's a convenient way. You can feed your dog a vegan diet. That doesn't mean it's appropriate just because it exists. So really dial it back to the approach to feeding. You need to mimic, um, if you're feeding a commercial pet food, what is actually appropriate for the species to eat to begin with. But the industry is not built on that. They're built on what they want to offer. And that's what's confusing for the consumer. You know, we're, we're just trusting everybody and saying, hey, if it's available, it must be good. But, you know, as many recalls have shown you, that's not necessarily the case. We're with
1: Cole Harrington. He is the director of the film called PetFold. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
6: Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty
9: Medical. 800-485-4409. 800-485-4409. 485 4409 That's 800-485-4409.
1: It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We are with Cole Harrington. He is the director of the film Pet Fooled, F-O-O-L-E-D. Check it out. It's on Netflix. We'll put links over at animalradio.pet for all the information, everything you've heard today. She said, uh, and I don't know if you heard the interview, but she said uh, last hour that this is one of the most regulated industries. The, the yeah, pet I would food have industry. loved
16: if you would have followed up. I, I don't know what they mean by that. I mean, they told me that whenever... You know, they met with me as well, and they said it in the film, you know, whenever they're in front of, like, the Senate hearing. This is the most highly regulated industry. Um, In my opinion, the Pet Food Institute's job is to spread doubt. Unfortunately, if you go back in the interview, you know, people now, if this is on a podcast, can go back to the interview and hear how well-worded the answers are. For example, if she's talking about um, what dogs and cats should be eating, I think that was a question – she says, pick what your pet enjoys. And this is, you know, I have nothing. <laughs> and what you nothing, enjoy feeding it. You know, and my goal is not to demonize people. She sounds very nice. But why is the conversation not what is species appropriate? Like, sure. that's my first question. Well, what is appropriate for the species first? But the industry's not talking about that. That's not, you know, they don't want to talk about, like, optimal nutrition. They want to talk about what they're selling. Um, so I think that's where when they talk, it's, you know, they're, they're representing the company. So it starts to fall apart, because they're really not directly answering questions they are very well worded. And they sort of, you know, direct you to, I would say, think about something else instead of actually directly answering the question, I would love for her to come back and really go into detail about what dogs and cats should be eating
1: yeah i don't think she'll be coming back uh so the chicken strips you remember the chicken strip recall uh oh, chicken I, I, it may not have even have been recalled the chicken jerky it, it was actually a problem that lasted for six years i believe what was behind that do you can you enlighten us a little bit about that
16: yeah so midway through me making the film i started hearing about animals who were getting sick and dying from eating chicken jerky So, I came in contact with, um, since this is the most highly regulated industry, says the PFI, there was no database um, that people had access to that really showed, well, what animals got sick, where they located, pet owners would call the companies, the companies would say just, you know, call the FDA and make a report. So, I came in contact with a citizen in Ohio who had a database full of all the information, Um, from people who made the complaints to her because there was no government agency doing this. So she had access to people who made complaints to her about what dog got sick, how many dogs in the family, what treats were they, what lot number were they, did the animal get sick only, did the animal get better, did the animal die? Um, So through her, I was able to speak to many, many people who had this issue. Some animals only got sick, some unfortunately, as you see in the film, died after eating the Um, treats. I was lucky enough to speak with the FDA, who did, as you see in the film, admit, we know it's a problem with the product, but they can't find the smoking gun. So my question for them was, you know it's a problem with the product, why is the product just allowed to be sold? So because the FDA couldn't find a smoking gun, the product just remained on the shelf for years. And so pet owners had to band together on Facebook to sort of share information and get information out there about the products and what's going on um, because companies were trying to get pet owners to sign non-disclosure agreements so they couldn't sue them. Eventually. Hush money. They were giving them yeah. hush money, hundred bucks, I believe. hundred dollars. It was just, shock. really? it was just <laughs> shocking.
5: Yeah. hundred dollars. Uh, oh
1: I know there's a lot of lawsuits that occurred after the recalls and after the chicken. Apparently when a lawsuit where a person, a human person, their life is lost, uh, a human person is valued at what, six or $7 million dollars. But animals continue to be property and the value of animals, not really significant to the pet food companies. And in fact, it's much easier, I would assume, for the pet food companies who are in this $29 billion a year industry to pay off these small lawsuit claims than it is to actually change things. Is that correct?
16: Exactly. Um, I know that pet parents that I spoke with. They were passed to a third-party claims agency, so I don't know if it's an insurance claim, you know, probably like an errors and admission insurance claim for the company. But, you know, if a company's making a billion dollars and they have to pay every once in a while $100 million to just make a problem go away, yep. I mean, that's the reality of what's going on.
1: What is the one takeaway? We're running out of time. What is the one takeaway you want listeners to have?
16: You know, the approach to feeding. Feed what is species appropriate because you do have... Companies out there and organizations and lobbying organizations, they want to say byproducts are fine, but that's not the issue. The issue is the quality. That's not what they're talking about. Sure, there's a wide range of quality quality A, quality F. And that's not what is being told to the consumer. So if you're buying a commercial pet food, you can make pet food yourself if you want to do enough research to do that. Otherwise, if you're buying a commercial pet food, these issues are always going to exist no matter. What the food is, no matter what the feeding style is. Uh, the Pet Food Institute says they're very neutral on raw food, but who they represent are not neutral. If you go to the Hill Science Diet website, They do have and have had for a certain amount of time specific information about how they do not like raw food. Now, PFI is probably leaving the door open because the industry is changing, so they want to go where the money goes, of course. But even as the industry transitions into fresher styles of feeding, um, the issues will always be the same. What is the quality of the ingredients going into the product where are the ingredients coming from? So that is what I would say are the most important things that a pet parent can, you know, look to answer because if a company is being secretive, it might be a red flag. Sure, you want to be able to know exactly. If you're paying so much for a product, you need to know and you have a right to question exactly what goes into that product and where the ingredients come from.
1: This is only the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen. Check out the movie Pet Fooled, F-O-O-L-E-D. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. And Cole, thank you so much for spending time with us today.
16: You're very welcome. Thank you.
1: Okay, we are so out of time. We got to get on out of here. If you missed any part of today's show, we got to go check it out over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You can listen to it again. Have yourself a great week. This is Animal
6: Radio Network. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673.
9: 785 1673 That's 800-785-1673.